Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep story history, and rich mountain culture that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're going to talk about mountain girls outdoors. But first, let's talk about uh, sponsors and things like that. So I want you to imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill that catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. Imagine a place with a, 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 a natural heritage pavilion where they play bluegrass and a speakeasy reminiscent of New York where they play modern music. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay. Now, there's a bunch of events coming up, so I'm going to go and hit the highlights of it. Um, there's going to be a big holiday party on December 18th, um, and it's going to feature Santa and Mrs. Claus coming by around uh, 7 o'clock, and uh, the children come and, and, and tell Santa there what they want for toys. There'll be Christmas music. There'll be eggnog and a, and a, a quote quote special punch but boy there'll be some heritage goodies uh desserts and cash bar uh raffles and prizes and a reading of the night before christmas by yours truly so i hope you can make it out on the on the, on the 18th uh, either locals or come and stay with us um on on um on the just on on december 25th at 6 p.m we're going to have an appalachian christmas supper which will feature all the uh, turkey and ham and all the fixings and, you know, sweet potatoes, green beans. There'll be mincemeat pie and black rum cake or fruit cake, uh, which are traditional in these mountains. Other desserts, punch, eggnog, and a, and a nice cash bar. And there'll be an after party at the Speakeasy. So that's on December 25th at 6 p.m. Um, there'll be a New Year's Eve place in the Speakeasy. Uh, it's going to have uh, traditional hog jowls, black eyed peas, greens, but in a way you never had them before. All right. There'll be a champagne toast, cash bar, lots of music, live music, and party favors. So come out. You should have a good time. It's 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. And then save the date. I don't know if you know about it, but the, in the mountains for, for many centuries, they used to they celebrate Christmas on January 6th because there was a mix up or transition from one type of calendar to another. Um, and so January 6th uh, was the date that they would celebrate Christmas on. Now, January 6th also, in other traditions, is known as uh, is, uh, All King's Day or something like that. But uh, here it's called Old Christmas. So we're going to have some old Christmas uh, op- uh, celebrations going on, uh, along with, you know, I think on the Thursday, the January 6th, we'll actually have a, 
uh, you know, like we want to call it a lecture, but I call it like a a discussion by Bob Plot, the resident uh, historian here at the motel, heritage expert, talking about what they used to do for uh, Christmas in the mountains, the Smoky Mountains, and on the on the on that Friday, we're going to have probably uh, some old Christmas storytelling by some uh, by, a good, by a good storyteller here in these mountains. And on on a Saturday night, we'll have barbecue and, and music. Uh, so keep that open. And then the big event for January is the Robert Burns uh, dinner. That's going to happen on Tuesday, January 25th, which is the traditional day of having a Robert Burns dinner. Now, you might ask, what is Robert Burns dinner? Well, Robert Burns was the National um, Poet Laureate of Scotland. Uh, around the time all these Scotch-Irish people were coming to the United States and, you know, and migrating to the mountains of North Carolina, and they, of course, really revered him. And, uh, and, and he was also an expert in a lot of the ballads that they would sing. He created a lot of them, and he documented the others. So he is uh, a national uh, hero of Scotland and, uh, and brings a lot of delight to people in this area. Now, the Burns Dinner is traditionally a very raucous and ribald event. You have whiskey and tastings, and you have really sumptuous food. You have something called haggis, which some people love and some people hate, but it's always worth touching, tasting one time in your lifetime. It's traditional. And then there's toasts and, uh, to the lassies, and then the lassies respond back, and then there's music and dancing. So it's a great night. It's very uh, robust and, uh, and, uh, uh, and fun entertainment. Um, and we're going to do it, and I'll, I'll be wearing a kilt and so some of the other people. So you're welcome to come. But even the days before that, starting on the Friday before that, the 21st, we're going to have Scottish themes events like a whiskey tasting and a concert in the Speakeasy. Saturday, there'll be another concert uh, in the in the pavilion if the weather's permitting. Otherwise, it'll be up in the uh, in the lounge. Um, we'll have a on Sunday. We'll have a bonfire and historical program by Bob Plot and and some Scottish ballads by Will, Will, William Ritter. And then on Monday before the dinner, we're going to have um, a program on the Ulster Scots in North Carolina presented by Mike McLean, the president of the Haywood County Historical Society. And that should be all a great week of events and fun. And, you know, and it's great ski time. So come up the mountains and ski during the day and come to these events in the evening. Uh, there's also winter hiking. It's a tremendous time to visit uh, and, and see things in the mountains. Another sponsor is SmokiesAdventure.com. Information and listings about the Smokies, hiking, wedding menus, books, trail maps, and resources about the Smokies. The emphasis of Smokies Adventure is on outdoor recreation, outdoor life events like weddings and adventures, along with providing information on lodging, family entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoons, and more. The goal of this site is to become the leading information portal on the Smoky Mountains, and I think it's reached that. So, Today, we have a great guest. Her name is Joetta Newman Holder. Joetta is a Kentucky native, and she's in Kentucky today. She's doing this uh, from Kentucky. Uh, and a graduate of Moorhead State University with a BS degree in veterinary technology. In 2015, she opened a business called Mountain Girls Outdoors that is devoted to getting more females actively involved in outdoor pursuits, such as camping, Hiking, fishing, hunting, conservation, and shooting sports. Hi, Joetta. How are you doing? Hi, just fine. 
Yeah. Are you feeling? Are you, are you cold up there in Kentucky today? <laughs> um, today, very cold. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, usually you're in Canton, and, uh, which is not far from Maggie Valley, but now we're and usually I'm in New York, so now I'm in Maggie Valley, and you're in Kentucky, so. <laughs> Yeah, we all we're all living a just uh, multi multi dimensional life these days, right? <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. So you grew up in sort of an urban setting in Kentucky, right? And yes. Without, uh, where was what city was that? Um, Ashland, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And you didn't really do a lot of outdoors then, right? No, um, I grew up basically being in the gymnastics world. So I spent my time in the gym and competing on weekends and that sort of thing. And then when I got a little older into high school, I got into band and that became my life and um, continued on into college and really didn't get started in the outdoors until I was in college or after. Wow. You know, I saw a statistics a statistic that was like there was, you know, in terms of uh, girls growing up and boys growing up, how often they got the opportunity to be in the outdoors, uh, and and it's like a, almost a twenty percent difference in the in the, the opportunities presented to them. Right? It's not it's, sometimes it's not even a consideration. It must be a difficult thing, right? It is, and it's also difficult for females that in later life decide to get involved they don't know how or where Um, and it can be intimidating and particularly if you're going into um, not necessarily male dominated but more males than females um, where they've had a chance to do it and growing up and you haven't and it can be a little intimidating. So, wow. um, now, did you? Did you? We'll talk, and I, I, you know, I want to get into that. We're going to delve into that a little bit later because that's what you're doing, and, and I think it's intensely interesting. But I want to find out a little bit more about the, how we got here. So, did you have any outdoor interests when you were growing up? Um, I did, and I would occasionally get to go. Um, fishing on rare rare occasion or get to go on a picnic or um here in this area there's a um state park that is um carter caves and we'd go and hike at carter caves and go into the caves and that sort of thing but as a regular occurrence really never got to and um the local Girl Scouts and that sort of thing weren't focused on outdoor stuff. Um, if I'd had a chance at that time to be in Boy Scouts or something closer to that, maybe I would have been more involved in the outdoors. But um, locally, our Girl Scouts and all those types of programs were more geared toward crafting and indoor stuff for women and cooking and sewing and that sort of thing. It wasn't a whole lot of outdoors opportunities. So, um, I sort of remember, you know, I'm, 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 I'm of a very mature age and I can remember that, uh, the dichotomy about what girls and boys were encouraged to do is pretty dramatically different in this area. 
<laughs> yes. And yeah. in this area too, and I'm probably about your age, so yeah. um, it's very, very similar. Yeah. So, uh, so you grew up, you did some things, band stuff like that, but you went to Moorhead State where you graduated, mm-hmm. uh, and you graduated with a veterinarian technical degree, right? Yes. So, um, what is that? What is that veterinary tech? I mean, is that like? A, there started to be a lot more technology involved in doing veterinary work, and you you were on the, you were in the avant garde of that. Well, it's more of a a nurse, a uh, vet nurse, and the field is actually starting to adopt that name. But it's much more than that. We do all the radiology, we do all the dentistry, we do all of the laboratory work, we do. Everything behind the scenes other than the diagnosis or the the actual treating it's just knowing the technology is a pretty uh, pretty intensive course of action now yeah. oh yeah. my god yeah so so you you graduated and you got in the job field and that, and now you are like the chair of the uh, veterinary technology at the Asheville uh, Bunkum community College Asheville Bunkum Tech right? I was. Um, I did that for about four years, four or five years. Um, I started out there as an adjunct instructor when the program began and then uh, eventually moved into the chairperson. All right. Cool. Well, that's a pretty impressive career path. So uh, uh, in a fairly short period of time, I think. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. so, you know, we're going to take a break now and we're going to talk about your migration to this whole outdoor world. Okay, great. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with a gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Joetta Newman Holder. So, Joetta, so around 2005, you met and married your uh, your late husband, right? I did. Um, we met in search and rescue, and he was a uh, he was a local, and he grew up in the Canton area, and his upbringing and his experiences with the outdoors was very, very, very different than mine. I can imagine growing up here, you know, you have to get the, what was his name? I, I, I missed that. Denver Holder. Denver Holder, right? So, yeah. um, so, uh, so it was, uh, uh, Bob, t- I guess, talked to you, he said, Bob, you know, of course made uh, some of these, uh, give me some of the information. He said it was a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> it, it was it was yeah. and it took us a while to get there but we eventually did <laughs> yeah but you had some hesitation about guns i did um growing up i was in even well past college i was um terrified of guns i couldn't uh walk into a Sporting goods store, anything with guns in the cases, I'd literally break out in a cold sweat. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a really new world to me whenever my husband and I met. And um, we, I ended up at that point 
realizing that if our relationship was going to go any further, that I was going to have to get used to guns real quick. <laughs> well, you guys met at Search and Rescue. I mean, uh, yes. what, what got you interested in Search and Rescue? Well, um, got to the area, fell in love with the outdoors, and already had love of dogs and training and that sort of thing. And so, um, through a friend and one dog group ended up getting connected to, um, a search and rescue group in the area. And, um, it kind of fused the two things at that time that I loved the outdoors and dogs into one thing and got to do what I like to do on a volunteer basis. What is the essence of search and rescue training? Um, Basically, it's um, trying to get the dog to play a game. Basically, teaching dogs how to do hide and seek. Mm -hmm. And um, the difficult part is actually training the people. It isn't the dogs. The dogs are really good at the whole game and if they enjoy it they're really good at it and it doesn't take a lot of training for them but the training on the human side is a lot more intensive and a lot more difficult (laughs) Uh, now did you get to go out on some search and rescue uh operation oh yeah many 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 yes um loved it um Always seemed that we got called after dark, and more than not, it was raining. So wow. you got to go tramp around in the dark and the rain. What was your most memorable rescue? Um, probably a um, little old man that had walked away from a nursing home, and um. We found him, and he was so incredibly cold. We found him in a creek, and um, I was just happy he was talking to us, but I I was trying to get him to talk to me, and I didn't really care what he was saying as long as he was talking to me, and he ended up proposing. (laughs) That's nice, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was looking for love. That's what he's out for, looking for love, right? Yeah. Yep. He said he he wanted to go to McDonald's, and he was out for a walk trying to get to McDonald's, and um, he had always been looking for a good woman, so that's... (laughs) There you go. So, so, but your husband probably didn't agree. <laughs> well, he happened to be there with me. His dog. Oh, okay. So it, was, it was one of those kind of proposals. So, right. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you, you, you know, you were you developed some pretty impressive fieldcraft skills, right? It's tracking, wilderness, survival, yeah. navigational, medical, uh, medicine. But there was something I, I, I saw. You learned about geocaching. What is geocaching? Geocaching is something fun to do outside of search and rescue, and it actually helps with your navigation skills and how to use GPS. Basically, it's been going on for probably 20, 30 years now, but um, people set up courses where you have a starting point. They give you 
coordinates or clues um, via GPS that you go to. And if you get to the end of it, it's like a scavenger hunt. If you get to the end of it, there's typically a treasure at the end. And basically, you leave something behind, some small token or something behind, or um, there may be a note inside that you add to it or something like that. But um, it's a lot of fun to mm-hmm. go do it. And in, in the um, Haywood County area, there's a lot of um, hidden treasures geocaching sites to go to. Oh, interesting. Is it going to be done like a game almost, huh? Yeah, it is. It's basically a game of kind of a cross between hide-and-seek and and, um, a a scavenger hunt. Is there an app app for that? (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of apps for it, actually. Really? Wow. So somebody somebody as a visitor could come here uh, and use geocaching is a fun way to engage with the environment around here? Yes, the, oh, really? most definitely. And that was kind of how it was started. Um, people wanting to get out in the, the area or areas and um, explore and get other people involved. And it was about the same time as uh, GPS has started coming out and getting more popular and affordable, and then it just took off from there. What do you think is the best app for that? Oh, my goodness. Um, there are so many of them now. Um, That's something that's fairly simple for uh, you know, somebody coming to the area that's just wanting to have it sort of a casual, fun experience. Basically, if you go and search geocaching in Hayward County, um, it will actually bring up different lists of caching sites. Uh-huh. And you can just choose which one you want to go find or do. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. All right. That sounds like a, a real adventure. I, I have to, I'm, have to, I'm, a, I'm now writing that down and I'm going to look that up because that could be great for my guests here at the Metalark Motel, right? Yeah. Oh, it is. And there's several in Maggie. Um, and there's easier ones or harder ones, uh, train-wise. Um, there's actually a couple over on Hayward Community College campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're just getting started and don't want to go out and get lost in the woods, um, it's it's an easier train. You can do some training the first day before you go out. Yeah. Yes. All right. There you go. Cool. Uh so you uh, overcame your fear of guns, and you learned all these survival skills. So then your husband was an expert in hunting and fishing and target shooting, and uh, you took an interest. Oh, I did. Um, he, once we got together and I realized I was going to have to come overcome the whole gun issue, um, he actually brought me a little 22 and I sat on the couch and literally didn't open the box for probably the first two weeks and just sat there and touched it and got used to it being there and um, then opened the box and shut the box and then started touching <laughs> it. And, uh, finally got the instruction manual out and dog-eared it by reading it and 
um, finally started actually touching the gun itself and then learned how to take it apart. One of my husband's favorite stories was one night he came home and he said, you got it taken apart. Now what are you going to do? And I said, (laughs) you work tomorrow night. I'll put it back together tomorrow night. So, um, and then it took me about 18 months before I started shooting. And after that, I literally fell in love with it. Um, and, um, it kind of took off from there and I started hunting and coming from an animal care background, it was kind of interesting. How did you make that jump? How did you make that jump? How did you make that jump from loving animals and animal care into willingness to hunt? I, I had always until that point, I didn't want to kill Bambi, et cetera. Um, but once I got into that side of the culture and realized it was a whole lot more than just going out and killing an animal, um, I was going out to do it for actual food. Um, we used the, everything that we could possibly use of the animal. Um, it was also very, very, very social not only with other people, but it was something that my husband and I could go out and do together. And we really enjoyed it um, because he had grown up hunting and he spent more time outdoors than he did indoors growing up. So it was one more thing that we could do together and we really enjoyed doing together. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got past that, um, it was more of a, I'm not just going out and aimlessly killing something. I'm actually going out and for a purpose. Um, and at that time, um, beef and chicken were giving me issues. And when I switched to deer meat, venison, um, those issues went away. Mm-hmm. So it was a... Um, it was kind of a necessity and, um, overcame that severe love don't kill, um, mentality. And it's been, it hasn't been that bad of a journey. It sounds like you've thought about it and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in general, not a, a big gun advocate, but I'm not, yeah, I grew up here, so I'm not like, uh, you know, a rabid anti-gun either. You know, like, you know, I know the farmer's got to sometimes have a a, 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 a a sort of a fast shooting gun to, you know, take care of coyotes that are about to kill all their livestock. Right. And then, uh, you know, and then there's been, you know, humankind has destroyed a lot of predators, which means that a lot of the other animals get overcrowded and they starve to death. So, Letting humans be the predators they are in certain situations is a necessity because it's the only alternative. So I, I, I get it. So um, we have to take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about your mountain out, girl, mountain girls outdoors. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy. 
Back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, my guest, Joetta Newman-Holder. So, Joetta, so 2005, you met your husband, and you were doing a little search and rescue, but you were by far not involved in hunting, fishing, any of all this sort of stuff. 2015 rolls around, and you're creating Mountain Girls Outdoors. Tell me how that happened. Well, it got to the point that I got to the point that I was um, getting more and more involved in the outdoors and more and more women were wanting to know how to get involved in the outdoors. And so um, at that time, I had left my job at AB Tech um, as the chairperson for the Vet Tech program. And um, my husband and I decided that starting a business for um, trying to get more women involved in the outdoors kind of evolved and started getting us thinking about doing it. And um, so we opened it up and um, in hopes of getting more women involved in the outdoors. Cool. The thought- and, you had, and you were what were you spent you were focused on um like single mothers and young and old women and you were trying to what introduce outdoor skills and familiarity of firearms about for both sport and protection, right? Yes. Well it started out more trying to get women in particular involved in the outdoors because we felt that if you get the female and the female part of the family involved, then they're more likely to um, participate with the rest of the family. So if they had um, boys or other female children, um, they would also get them outdoors and involved in the outdoors. If they were married um, and the husband and the boys in the family like to go outside and hunt, fish, camp, whatever it happened to be. And she felt a little intimidated or wasn't as uh, involved as she could be. We were trying to give her a way to become more knowledgeable about those things so they wouldn't be as intimidated Mm -hmm. and hopefully get more families outdoors, whether it was camping or fishing or firearms or whatever it may be Um, and it kind of evolved from there Um, we were we did everything and do everything from basic camping uh, land navigation hiking Um, we did do some fishing whether it's regular like lake fishing or uh, fly fishing Um, We uh, started some archery classes, and um, during the process, I became an instructor for multiple um, firearms and started offering introductory classes for women, um, whether or not they wanted to have a gun to protect themselves or if there was a gun already in the house and they were terrified of guns like I was and just wanted to become a little bit more familiar 
with guns, so they weren't as terrified. Um, and then it just kind of evolved from there into we were doing more and more firearms classes than we were um, a lot of the outdoor classes. We were doing a few of the outdoor classes, but um, it we it became more and more of a demand for the firearm classes. Right. So, um, so you initially had a, broke, a brick and mortar school store, but you got rid of that, right? Yeah, uh, we ended up. Um, COVID kind of did that in. Yeah, COVID did that. Um, and then, um, you know, and, and in 2019, of course, your your husband died, which I'm so sorry about. Uh, you know, thank you, I appreciate I, it. I had I had my spouse of a long time die in 2014. So, oh, I, I'm I so sorry. How they, I, you know, it's it's impressive that you were able to maintain a and build upon a business that you both had created. So, um, my hats off to you to do that because I wasn't able to do that. Um, um, so, what what do you offer now? Um, we still offer a lot of outdoors classes. Um, if somebody's interested in camping or fishing or fly fishing or just hiking, getting to know where to go, what do I need to take with me, basics, um, to actually setting up trips. Um, we also do, um, Photography type classes. Um, that's something else that I've gotten into recently. Hard and heavy is a lot of photography. So, like wildlife photography, like wildlife photography, uh, wildlife landscape. And in about the last month, a lot of portrait family stuff. Um, right. I was doing um, events like at the Meadowlark and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I was doing, um, I would go over to Cherokee and do the stickball games, uh, right. photograph stickball games, um, folk moot. I would do a lot of photography, dance, and their events and that sort of thing. Um, and it's kind of evolved recently. I had a few friends ask me to do some family stuff for them and it's I'm starting to get busier and busier. Well, that's fabulous. So, um, I, I was reading, you are, you are part of the national wild Turkey Federation. What is that? National wild Turkey Federation originally was. It's not alcohol, right? <laughs> no, no, uh, wrong wild Turkey. The actual <laughs> one gobbles. Um, they were almost eradicated from most of the U.S. Um, from overhunting. And um, a group of people decided that they wanted to bring back turkeys into population. And over several years, it has been very, very successful um, in areas like eastern and Western North Carolina and Eastern North Carolina, um, they have populated to the point that they've been able to open up hunting seasons again. Um, they're running around all over the place. You can drive down the road and see them on the side of the road very easily. 
um, going to Catalucci and they're all over the place. So they've gone from basically almost extinct in some areas to very, 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 very populous again. Now, do you have, do you also, in terms of saving them, do you also have you know, <laughs> efforts to, you know, do hunting in a, in a, in a sustainable and, and, and yes. proper way. And yeah. that is a, a large part of it is once they get established in the area and they come back into um, populations that you can sustain hunting is trying to work with local areas, uh, state uh, wildlife, trying to, um, do it responsibly so we don't eradicate them again and they do that the the coyotes have become so big the uh, prevalence because they have no condition on eating the wild turkeys is that true (laughs) um there is some truth to that um they do have a lot of other predators um like skunks and possums and oh really yeah, and raccoons, and there's a lot of other predators out there. Um, coyotes are a big part of it, but they're they're not as big of a problem as um, some people think that they are. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, what is your website for the, this? You know, let people can find more information about it. Um, it is mountaingirloutdoors.com. Mm-hmm. What is it again? Mountaingirloutdoors.com. Mountaingirloutdoors.com. And then you have a Facebook page too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do, do you have events for the general public or is it all classes? Um, right now it is all um, basically classes. Um, eventually, hopefully, we'll start opening up to uh, doing some um, like some public hikes and things like that. But right now it is mostly classes and we will do private classes. Uh, we will actually go into the home on occasion. If a group of, of um, six, 10 people want a specific class, we'll actually go to somebody's home uh, or a business. Um, there's a couple of businesses around town that I've gone and done classes for the entire staff and that sort of thing is either team building or um, just something fun that they all want to do. And this is hunting and uh, camping and, and fishing and that sort of classes? Yes. Um, or um, if there's a group of people that want like a concealed carry class, mm-hmm. um, I will do do that for concealed carry as well. And if there's a woman that is trepidatious about getting involved in the outdoors in a way that she's never been before, you know, how would she approach you to start something? What would be the, you, the, you, your first course of action that say they should take? Get get with somebody that you trust. Um, that was one of the reasons why we started the business was because um, a lot of times, particularly with um, hunting and shooting and those ty- and fishing and those types of things, it's so male dominated 
that um, males tend to be a little uh, less patient and uh, be a little bit more forceful or um, I don't know really how to explain it, but they can be more intimidating. And I've been in that place of intimidation and just terrified and I understand that and I know that and mm-hmm. I will meet somebody where they're at and not push them past what they can handle or what they're ready for. Well, great. Well, we have to take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the areas that you think are great to visit in the mountains here in North Carolina, both in hunting and then just in general. All right. Sounds great. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Joetta Newman-Holder. So, Joetta, before we move on to uh, Canton area and things to do in the Smokies, I, you know, one thing that uh, Bob had pointed out to me, that you pictures that you, that you, where did that come from? I'm sorry, it froze and I missed oh. you. So you're, you're working with circuses. You're taking photography, photographs of circuses quite a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was I. Um, there was a circus that came in local to Asheville, and um, I befriended a couple of the cast members and started going back over and over and over and taking photos for them, wow. and then ended up um, following them to um, Georgia. And um, spent a couple of weeks there with them. So it was a lot of fun. You like to take adventures. What was the name of the circus? The Nardo Circus. Ah, okay, cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, um, you're, 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 you managed to survive COVID. Things are going. Do you have any future plans for your business? Um, Actually, I'm just trying to keep it up and going. going. It's hard hard in these times, so that's good. (laughs) And um, I've expanded to the photography side of things, so that's that's where it's going at the moment. Well, you know, um, when I talk with guests that live in the area, I like to find out things that they find interesting. Where would would be... um, a good place for somebody to go view wildlife in this area, take photographs. Um, one of my favorite places to go in the area, and it's relatively easy um, to access the wildlife, is um, the Cataloochee Valley. Right. Um, the There's a lot of wild turkeys. There's, of course, squirrels and birds and that sort of thing. But you've got the elk as well. Um, one of my other favorite places to go is Cades Cove. Um, it's very, very busy, but if you're into seeing wildlife, um, chances of getting to see deer and bear and that sort of thing are fairly high. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you, you you take people out on uh, hunts or, or things like that, do you take do you take them out places? I can, um, and I have done some mentored hunts with the Wild Turkey Federation um, with different chapters that have hosted uh, women-only 
uh, mentored hunts, and I've taken women out on those. And as a, where do you take? Where do you, where do those happen? I mean, you don't necessarily have to go into detail, but where are general general areas? Um, typically, the ones in particular that I've participated in in the past have been more central to um, to eastern North Carolina, um, down oh, past Charlotte. Okay, cool. Um, so, you know, you live in Canton, which is part of Haywood County, and it's a, it's a wonderful place to live, right? Yes. I like to talk about an itinerary in the day in a, in a small mountain town uh, with the people who live there for a while. So I mentioned this to you. So, you know, if you were, if somebody came to visit Canton, where would you uh, recommend they have breakfast? One of my favorite breakfast spots, it's a little mom and pop hole in the wall is uh, the Pioneer. It's actually in Clyde, mm-hmm. uh, not very far outside of Canton, but that's one of my favorite bre- breakfast places. Cool. And then after they fin- finish their breakfast, which the favorite dish is there? Oh, oh gosh. And that's hard. Um, <laughs> okay. They have the good, they have the good biscuits and gravy and all that sort of stuff, right? But uh, yeah, all right. Out toward Maggie, um, the butter biscuit is also yeah. Yeah. So if you so so after breakfast, where would you recommend them go out to have some fun? Um, Depending on what you want to go do, if you just want to go for a drive, the Parkway is always an amazing place to go for a drive. Yeah. Um, it and again, one of my favorite places to go is down in Catalucci Valley. Uh, that's kind of a, an experience just to get there in itself. Yeah. Well, that's a good. Um, um, How about in Canton? in Canton? What is in Canton? What, what what's fun to do? Um, actually, in and around Canton, um. There's not a whole, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot to to go do during the day. Um, we do have a few nice shops in downtown to go visit. Um, we also, during um, particularly the summer, there's a lot of nice festivals and picking in the park and things yeah. like that. You have a good farmer's market there that meets on, what, Saturday, Sunday, that has music, yeah? Yeah, and it's expanded recently, and um, they've been open, like, Thursday through Saturday. It's been... Yeah, it's a really nice, a little, like, a little market square. Mike has gone there yep. and played. He, he really he really says it's kind of cool. It's kind of nice, so... It is. It's really nice. Um, then... Um, well, the floods kind of did the park in uh, and yeah, well, the pool in. It'll come um, back. But there's a park but, in the pool, it'll come back, yeah. But <laughs> once they come back and are cleaned up, um, it's a, the park runs along the river, yeah, and it's, it's a really, really nice place to walk. Yeah. Um, or take the kids and play. And the How about lunch? Where would you, where would you go for lunch? Oh, there's a lot of really good lunch places. Um, I particularly enjoy like the Southern Porch in Canton. Um, I like J Rose. Um, Great sandwiches. Um, 
Oh gosh. There's then just outside the area, there's Mexican restaurants and uh, there's, yeah, there's lots of great things. And how about Bearwater? Bearwater is a pretty good place, right? Oh yeah, Bearwater's and unfortunately it's another place that the the floods the got. But the, you know, temporarily, they have better, they have a great restaurant in Maggie Valley too called the Bear. Yes, but Brewer. that's where it's the second been, place. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so, where we've been going yeah. out in Maggie. Yeah. And Valley. when they get the can when they get the Canton one back, it'll be worthwhile because it's a beautiful. That was a beautiful place. That was fun. Yeah. So in the after, afternoon, what would you do? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure similar things, but uh, um, do they have some things going on in this afternoon that's worthwhile. Um, I hear rumors that they're getting ready to open up um, some new shops and possibly an axe throwing facility. Oh, fabulous! All right, so some things, I, they're talking about doing that in Maggie too. So, I, I don't know. that's um, interesting. Yeah, axe throwing is a thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then, and, uh, yeah, and then and, uh, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take us down because we're we're coming to the end of our time. So, um, if you have one name to shout out for our dinner, shout it out now. <laughs> oh, dinner! One of my favorite places to go for dinner. It's not in Canton. It's just outside Canton. Is Blue Rooster? Oh, Blue Rooster's kind of nice. I really like it. The shrimp and grits there are really good. So it's in a mall, but the, the food is really good. Yeah. The prime yeah. rib is to die for. Yeah. So any other uh, shout outs, anything, any, any other way you want people to be, uh, to reach out to you in any way? Um, I just, they can reach me via my, most likely the easiest way to get me is through Facebook. Um, yeah. uh, the website's up and down right now, trying yeah. to reconstruct it. All right, uh, cool. So that's that's the mountain uh, girl, girls out the mountain girl outdoors webs uh, webs uh, Facebook page, which you can find. I think it's MTN Outdoors Girl, right? So, yes. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, this is I appreciate so much you being on the show, and it's been Thank very you. interesting. Um, this has uh, been the Gateway to the uh, Smokies podcast. We're every week on Talk Radio NYC. Uh, talkradio.nyc, which is a great network of live podcasts. Right after this one is Coffee Talk XL, which is a wonderful podcast. Um, and you can find more about this podcast on facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast, or you can find all the episodes on smokiesadventure.com. Click on the Gateway to the Smokies podcast at the top of the page, and you can find out all sorts of information about this podcast. Again, I'll see you guys. Uh, we'll be in reruns for a few weeks, um, but after the, the, the middle of January, we'll be back with more live shows. Um, again, talk, uh, listen to the, the reruns next week, uh, same time, 6 to 7. And thank you for being um, part of the show today.